Hello and welcome to the Mind Money Soul podcast. I am your host, Laura Ann Moore. I'm a money and mindset coach and financial well-being speaker, and my mission is to help you feel good about money and learn how to use money as a tool to live your best life and work towards financial freedom, whatever that means to you. Every week, I explore the emotional, practical, and spiritual sides of money. So if you're ready to get financially confident, grow your money, and achieve your big life goals, then you're in the right place. Change your mindset, grow your money, feed your soul. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mind, Money, Soul. And today I'm going to be talking all about my journey to investing. So going from being a complete non-investor, not even knowing what the stock market is, to now having over £15,000 invested. Now, I just want to make a little disclaimer at the start of this episode to say I am not a financial advisor, so please don't take any of what I say as advice. I am just simply sharing my experience on how I learned about investing, where I got to where I am today, and all of the lessons that I learned along the way. And know that when you do invest, your capital is at risk. So please make sure that you do do your due diligence, that's a mouthful, before investing so that you can make your own educated financial decisions about what is right for you. So let's get into it. Now, one of the first things is that I remember my earliest kind of, I guess, introduction to anything related to investing was about pensions. I don't know why I have this memory in my head, but I remember going to the cinema with some of my best friends when I was 18 and it was the end of the show and we're sat in the seats and one of them was like, oh, um, I've opened up a pension. And I was like, oh, what do you need a pension for? You're not even in your 20s. I didn't understand. I was very confused. I'd literally never had a conversation about pensions in my life. And I was like, yeah, so I asked why. And she was like, my mum and dad told me to do it too. And I was like, wow. And I don't know why that stuck out so much in my head. I think it's because I felt I had this pang of like, oh my God, I feel really uneducated and like kind of stupid. And not that anybody made me feel that way, but more so for myself, like, why don't I know about this? Now we weren't taught about it in school. So that's partly why, but I hadn't had a conversation with anybody else about it. Now, when I started my first ever full-time job, which was in 2012. It's also the year that auto-enrolment in pensions came out. Again, didn't have a clue what I was saying yes to. I just said, yep, cracked on. I knew it was taking some money out of my salary every month and I didn't really know what it was doing or where it was going. But what I did go on to learn is that if you have a pension, a workplace pension, your pension and that money you pay into it is being invested. So if you have a pension, you are an investor. And when I found that out, blew my mind. So that was kind of like my first little introduction to it, but it kind of stopped there for a few years. Now, I was working at this job, and as I've mentioned in a previous episode, I managed to save, uh, well, in total, I've managed to save £40,000. But the first was a chunk of £15,000 that I actually used to go travelling, best decision of my life. And then the next sort of £25,000 came um, in the years to follow, and I spent a chunk of it, about five-ish grand, moving to London. Obviously, I was living in London Bridge, central London, very expensive. And yeah, that left me with about £20,000 in cash, in a cash ISA. 
Now, to give you a little bit of context, the reason why I was saving was because I decided that I wanted to backpack around South America. Now, I wasn't going to need 20 grand, but for me, I was like, the more the better. So that was like emergency fund, other holidays and backpacking all together. Now, this is a whole other story on its own, but obviously pandemic hit your gal weren't going backpack into South America anytime soon. But I had this £20,000 sat in cash. I thought I was winning. Now, obviously, that gave me a lot of security around my job because if I would lose my job or my hours would drop, I had this money. So in that respect, it was so good to have that as a safety blanket. Now, during this time, I think it was actually just before the pandemic, I think, But basically, I went on a date with a guy and we were talking about investing because he basically buys watches and sells them for a profit, which is a whole nother world, right? And he said, did you know, did you know that by having your your savings sat in cash, you're losing its but it's losing its buying power? And I was like, I don't get it. What do you mean? But I didn't know anything about inflation. I didn't understand that side of it. And that was, I guess, my first sort of like, um, you know, introduction to inflation and understanding the impact that it has on your money. So I went and did a little bit of research and learned that if the amount of interest that you're making on your cash is lower than inflation, you're essentially losing money. So that money that I had saved, so I had that 20 grand sat there in cash I was probably making maybe no more than 1% interest every year, but inflation was at around like two, two and a bit percent. <laughs> Those were the good days. And um, yeah, I, I, I was basically, so let's say you're making an interest of 1% and inflation is at 2%. That means you're essentially losing 1% because 1% obviously minus 2%, that's 1% left over. So for example, in the real term of cash, let's say you had a grand, you've made 1% interest, you go through into the next year and there's been 2% inflation, your money is losing out on 1% because the interest cancels out the inflation. So that £1,000 from last year, if you'd have spent it last year, might have bought you 100 items. But because of inflation, the money that you have moving into the next year, even with that 1% interest, might only buy you 99 items. So the value of your cash is less. So I hope that makes sense. But when I learned about that, I was like, oh, well, like, what do I do? How do I beat inflation? Like, how does, what? How do, how does that work? But that was my sort of first, yeah, introduction to it. Then randomly one day, and I think maybe because I was now, you know, doing my influencing and my content creation. So I'm in the financial world, but I also think the universe was on my side. I got a random email from Fidelity and they sent me a report, which was um, about women and money. And it's, was phenomenal, like genuinely life-changing for me. And the article actually went on to win at the Headline Money Awards. And it, it won an award for the Thought Leadership Initiative of the Year. And the piece was called Global Women and Money Study, Breaking Down Financial Barriers Around the World. Now, I will put the link in the show notes so you can download it if you want to have a read. But it was freaking fascinating. So I had a little read of it and I put up on my Instagram stories all like the key the key takeaways. So here's some of the stuff that I learned that just was very eye-opening and blew my mind. 
First up, because of the gender pay gap, women will end up with approximately, or on average, 25% less in their pensions than men because they have less to start with. So they have less to put into their pension. And because your pension is being invested, you end up with less when you come to retire. It spoke also about childcare and the cost of um, basically having a child and how it damages a woman's career and the financial damage it does due to, because childcare is so expensive, it usually makes sense for one of the parents to not work and to stay at home to basically be the childcare and it usually ends up becoming the mother. So yeah, their career um, and their earning potential lessons so I was reading about this and I was just like oh it was it was frustrating and eye-opening and yeah and then I got onto the bit about the stock market now at this point it was an extremely new concept to me I didn't really know what I was reading or what the difference you know in all these different accounts was and I was just like not really understanding it but it basically said men are more likely to save money into a stocks and shares ISA whereas women are more likely to save into a cash ISA Stocks and shares ISA is basically the type of account that you use to invest your money, whereas a cash ISA is just, you know, like a kind of like a standard savings account where you save your money and you usually have immediate access to it. There's loads of different types, but that's just an overview. Now, they had a look and across the people that they um, did this report on, the difference in the return that that money made was insane. For the men, at, well, for the stocks and shares ISA, it was making on average about a 25% return, whereas in the cash ISA, it was 0.4%. The difference was insane. I was like, oh, what? It also said men are more likely to spend their disposable income on investments, whereas women are more likely to spend on luxury items, so like beauty products and clothes and stuff like that, which obviously plays into this idea around like um, the societal narrative around beauty standards. That's a whole other story. And add to that, it, they, they spoke to the women um, as part of this report. And the biggest contributor that women said that they said that they would be more likely to invest if the language was easier to understand. So I'm learning about all of this. It's blowing. It's just blowing my mind. And it was very eye opening. I've put it on Instagram. I had loads of people message me like, what? And I was like, right. And then there was a dude, a friend of mine that dropped me a message and was like, I'm a wealth manager. So he like handles all investments and stuff. He was like, I agree with you. The language is confusing. I think it's totes unfair. Like, do, do you want me to help you out? And I can explain investing to you. And I was like, actually, yeah, that would be amazing. So we met up in Brixton. We had a beer and we sat there for a few hours and I asked all the questions. I was asking, like, he, he explained the basics to me, but then I was like, what's an index fund? What's compound interest? What's, infl you know, what's all of this? And I was asking all of that. Once I feel like I truly understood the concept and also the steps that you take to do it, I was like, I was so confused as to why it seemed so easy, yet no one was actually doing it or no one that I knew. And it's the classic case of, you know, wealthy people, middle class people who have been investing for years, that information and that knowledge gets passed down to children and through, you know, and, and investing is a normal concept but with working class people. And obviously this is a generalization, but you're less likely to because that 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 knowledge isn't there. My mum and dad didn't have a clue about investing in the stock market. My grandparents didn't. So I was like learning about it with a fresh pair of eyes. And I was like, wow, this is this is nuts. Now, when I am one of those people that when I learn about something, I want to know all the juicy deeds. I want to do all the research. I want to learn it all. 
And yeah, I just went, I was just trying to like consume as much as possible. I was watching uh, YouTube videos, listening to podcasts, reading books, doing all of it. But every time I would read an article, I would have to have Investopedia up next to it, which is basically like kind of like a Wikipedia dictionary, but for investing. It's a great resource. And I was having to literally check out what every other word meant. Now, trying to read when you have to try and learn every single other word, it's so hard to contextualise and understand what you're actually freaking reading. I was just like, what? I don't get it. But it, it, so it took a bit of a time in that respect to really truly understand the meanings of each word. But that is when I really learned and understood what the women in that report meant when they said they'd be more likely to invest if the language was easier to understand. Now... Once I'd done all of this, I basically ended up deciding to set up a trading 212 account and have a little play around. Because what I learned about compound interest is that the longer that your money can be invested, the better. So it was very much like, you know, Lord, come on, like the sooner the better. So that's what kind of like pushed me to get the motivation to open up in an account. Um, I got a stocks and shares ISA with trading 212 and have a play around. Now, I was devouring all of this information. I was like, I guess, building confidence with the education that I was learning. But I didn't invest my first pound for a good like seven or eight months after that conversation I had where it had all been broken down to me. And it was fear. I was scared. I still was like, I don't understand what happened. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. What happens if I do it wrong? What happens if I need that money? You know, like all of the things. I I was put into a place of fear from feeling like I didn't know enough. And then I just bit the bullet. I can't remember now what was the thing that made me do it, but I just did it. And it was October 2020. And I invested my, I bought one share in the S&P, in an S&P 500 index fund. It was about 71 pounds. And I just built it up from there. And then every month I kept adding to it and I got more confident in what I was doing. And now as of today, and which is what month are we in august 2022 so nearly two years later i have a total of fifteen thousand six hundred and thirty four pounds invested so that's how much i have put into the account and invested into the stock market now the amount that 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 is worth that my investments are worth is a total of sixteen thousand seven hundred and twelve so it's basically about eleven hundred pounds more which is six point nine percent interest So as you can see, just over the last two years, I've made nearly 7% interest on that money. But let me tell you, about three or four weeks ago, maybe, I was in minus 5% and I'd lost, you know, about £1,400. And then there's been points where I've made an 11% interest. Now, the thing about the stock market is it goes up and down every single day. So if you're you're investing in the stock market, so you've got, you're investing in index funds or, um, you know, stocks and shares, your money is going to go up and down. So when, you know, let's use this as an example, if you're investing in Apple, the company Apple, let's say they uh, release a new iPhone, you know, the iPhone 20, the stock price is going to go up because there's all this talk about it. You know, it's all exciting. People are going to be buying it. Their, Their prices are going up, all these factors. So the stock price goes up. Then let's say they release their monthly, their yearly, their annual report, financial report, and it says that they're down on expected turnover, their stock price might drop. So there's all these things, and that's just for the company. You take into account recessions and pandemics and war and all of these things. All of these things have an impact on the stock market. So your money is going up and down every day. But none of this 
actually matters if you haven't taken your money out of investment. It's not a loss or a gain until you actually have to withdraw that money. And that I think is where people go wrong because they let their emotions get in the way of their investments. They freak out, they pull their money out when the market's really down, worrying that they'll lose even more. But if you left it in the market, the, the stats usually show that the market would probably regain its value, uh, like you, the market recovers over time. Now, I did have a little look. I found an article on a, a website called Motley Fool, which is really great for like investing like articles and stuff. And this is what it says. Since 1999, there have been three major stock market crashes, not including the current market meltdown. The dot-com bubble in 2000, the Great Recession in 2008, and the COVID crash in 2020. Despite each one major experiencing major double-digit declines in the space of a couple of months, so like really dropping and losing um, value, the stock market has always made a full recovery and then continued to grow, reaching new record heights. So does the stock market always recover? Yes, it's just a matter of when. So during the pandemic and when it all went crazy in March 2020, unless you were retiring in that month and you were relying to live off of your investments, which would have been awful because that's the point you would have had to have taken your money out, you have no other needs to take your money out. When I've been learning about investing, the key thing is that you're investing for the long term. So I said to myself, this is money I can afford to not have in my bank account right now or in my savings account. I am going to use it to build wealth for, you know, 15, 20, 30 years plus. It's for my retirement. And that's not to say I'm going to retire at the average retiring age of like, what, 65. I might want to retire when I'm 50, but I'm investing now. I'm, you know, in my late 20s. Even if I have my money in the market for another 20 years, which takes me to about the age of 50, you know, that's a really long period of time. And probably within that, there's going to be recessions. There's probably going to be more pandemics. There's going to be other stock market crashes. But but it always, stats have shown, recovered. Now, there are so many other nuances to this, and I'm not just saying invest in anything. And then, you know, if anything happens, your money will recover because there's so much more to it. But what I'm trying to say is that when I was thinking about investing, I was thinking long term and I didn't let my emotions get in the way or make me worried when I looked in my account and saw that I was in the minus numbers because I'm confident in what I'm investing in that over time will regain its value and continue to grow. Now, obviously, this is just my experience and the way that you invest is all dependent on you, your own experiences, your propensity for risk, like how risky you feel, your long-term goals, the lot. So like I said before, please don't take any of this advice. I'm just, just sharing my experiences with you. But that is essentially my journey, right? So I've gone from not knowing anything from getting a full-time job and getting a pension, I become an investor then, saving all of this money, learning really good saving habits and building up and basically saving over £40,000. And then I only started well, learning about investing a few years ago, maybe like in 2019. And then in 2020, I invested my first pound in the stock market and I got interested in it. So I was reading about it. I was learning about it, reading books, the lot. And now as of today, I have £15,000 in the stock market. Now, there are a lot of other ways that you can invest, right? You can invest in also bonds. You can invest in property, which is the most common way of investing that people don't really know, don't really see it like that. Like, especially in the UK, everybody, there's this like uh, societal belief that investing in property is the best 
thing to do, right? It's a given. You grow up, you buy your house, you then pay off your mortgage, and then it's the thing that you live in until you sell it, you know, or you downsize or you remortgage. That in itself is an investment because you're putting money into something and hoping that over time it makes a return. But the difference is that you physically end up in a house, whereas in the stock market, you don't like get given anything that you, you don't get given anything. There's no like practical physical thing. It's all um, just says that you, you know, you're a shareholder of, of um, a fund or of a stock. But um, go off. besides the point, what I'm saying is there's loads of different ways that you can invest. Now, some of the things that I have learned are around the way that you invest in things you invest in. So first of all, I found it very interesting how all of the people that I had received information from about investing at the start of my journey were all white men. No shade to the white men, but I'm just really glad now that this information is being delivered um, and is available so much more widely from such a range of people. You know, there are so many incredible um, women online who are talking about investing in different companies that are making it a lot more accessible. And we are lucky that we live in a world now where it is so much more accessible. But yeah, I just thought that was an interesting point. I also, during the course of the last two years, I did invest in some individual companies. I bought shares in like some big companies like Apple and Tesla and, um, what else? Like Amazon and stuff like that. And then I think I probably spent maybe about 500 pound on those investments split across all of those. And I realized I don't like doing that. I don't really like doing that. I want my money to be diversified. I didn't like knowing that my money was just going to that one company, which is when I started investing in index funds because it diversifies your money. There was one time where I jumped on a silly trend. It was like an investing hype where this company was basically, um, I think it was called Dogecoin. It was basically um, due to increase in stock price. And there was all this like talk about it. And everybody was like, oh, are you going to invest in Dogecoin? And I was like, and I just jumped on the hype. I was like, yeah, all right. So I put about £100 into this stock. And that money basically dropped down to like 20 quid. Like I literally basically lost it all. Now that £100 that I invested, I knew I didn't care if I lost it. But I'd got like on this hype and got excited that I could buy it at a really low price and then it would go up and I would sell it at a really high price. Now that behavior is acting like a day trader, which is very different to being a long-term investor. A day trader is somebody who will spend time in the stock market and looking for trends and patterns and they will try and buy stock low, wait for the stock price to increase, sell it, make a profit and repeat the process that world gets glamorized because I don't, I can't remember the exact stat, but it's something like, you know, like 90% of day traders lose money. The 10% that make it are just, it's more luck. And I'm not about day trading. So yeah, that's, that's how I feel about that. And the last thing was that I also went for a period where I was an employee getting a salary to being self-employed. When I was an employee and I was getting a regular salary, I was investing every single month. When I went self-employed, I stopped investing. My money had dropped down. I was behaving different with my money. And I I regret that. Not in the way of like, oh my God, hashtag biggest regret of my life. But like, oh man, I wish I kept up the um, regularity and frequency and the habit of investing. What I should have done is, which I've done now, is automated my investments so that I didn't allow my emotions or my situation to get in the way of investing because you're better off with the, like, being really frequent um, and regular with it. 
But again, it's a learned lesson. I won't ever not invest again. Even if I'm just putting £10 into the stock market or, you know, whatever it is, a small amount. But yeah, they're the kind of lessons that I learn. And I still don't, I'm not perfect, you know. I am not an expert by any means in the investing world. I've just learned about it. I feel confident and I know enough to invest myself and also to share the knowledge but there is still the personal responsibility to go and learn about it yourself and the phrase that I love the most no one ever got rich just from saving which means if you want to build wealth and make and have a good amount of money to be able to choose whether to work and to feel comfortable when you retire you need to invest whether that's in the stock market or whether that is um, in property or a combination or whatever it is Investing is the way forward to help you build wealth long term. So yeah, that concludes today's episode. I hope that you found it useful and I would love for you to share with me your experiences with investing and yeah, you know, how you feel about it and what you're going to do. And I'm going to be bringing out some more investing resources just off the back of what I've learned that hopefully will help you get started. So keep your eyes peeled for those. But I hope you have an amazing day and tune in to the next episode. Mwah.